1: It's time for a trip down on the farm. Let's check in on reports from around the Oakland A's
0: minor league affiliates.
2: Well, hello and welcome to the A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty and today we're going to be joined by former sacramento and nashville manager and current minor league infield and base running instructor for the a's steve scarsoni we'll be talking a little bit about his career in baseball as well as his current role with the a's and we'll be getting his take on some of the a's top young infield prospects and after that we'll also be having a brief chat with stockton ports manager webster garrison to get his insights on this year's star-studded team in stockton but first Here's Steve Scarsoni. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Steve.
0: Well, thank you, Bill. Um, it's a joy to join you.
2: Well, we definitely want to talk to you today about some of the A's uh, exciting young infield prospects like Jorge Mateo and, and Nick Allen and a bunch of other interesting guys. But first, I wanted to just talk a little bit about your career in baseball and and how you went from playing with the Giants back in the 90s to, to working with the A's here in the 21st century. Uh, now, I know you grew up in, in Orange County, which is considered kind of a, a hotbed for baseball talent. And I think you were a second-round draft pick of the Phillies back in in 1986. So, uh, so I guess you must have had some some tools uh, going for you back then uh, to be a be a second-round ba- uh, draft pick for the Phillies.
0: Well, I appreciate that assumption, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 I actually was drafted in the in the January phase, which is kind of that uh, the, that alternative draft uh, class that I think they've eliminated at this point. <laughs> Probably because of the guys that were coming out of it, but um, no, I got an opportunity to uh, to be drafted. Uh, obviously, not as as prestigious as a June draft, but at the time it was it was pretty exciting to me. For me. And uh, uh, I had a uh, well, I, was, I was playing at Santa Ana Junior College in Santa Ana, California, and uh, prior to the draft, I had I'd already. Uh, agreed to uh, to continue my my uh, amateur baseball with at the uh, University of California Berkeley so I was looking to kind of make my move up towards the Bay Area at some point in my life initially in, as a, as a collegiate player and then uh, years later I end up like you said in San Francisco and and now being tied with the with with the A's I, I find myself back towards the Bay more often than I think I would ever have dreamed, but uh, (laughs) it's kind of a a, a irony the way it all kind of worked out. So, um, yeah, I got, I got drafted by the Phillies, um, spent plenty of time in the minor leagues trying to figure out how to, how to play the game and, and how to, how to move up in the system. And, uh, finally got an opportunity and, uh, kind of scratched my way in as a, as a utility infielder, which, um, you know, it's not that difficult to get to sometimes, but uh, to stick around and, and get uh, parts of seven years in the big leagues as a as a backup guy, I, I feel like there's some, some pride to be taken out of that.
2: Yeah, so, well, well, I mean, you, you know, you had some some good seasons there. I think you spent about four seasons with the Giants mainly playing second base and, and third base there in the mid-90s. I'm sure plenty of Folks, uh, Northern California fans, remember you from that. How? What was that time like for you, uh, playing playing for the Giants there in the in the Bay Area in the mid 90s?
0: Well, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I'll be honest with you. Um, as much as uh, we look back and, and and have some have some laughs about Candlestick Park um, and and some of the the challenges of playing there, uh, at the time it was it was our home and. And we we really embraced it. We we enjoyed playing a candlestick. We enjoyed coming home to a little bit of a, a milder climate in the middle of the summer, and and uh, watching the opposing teams uh, run in halfway through the game to get their heavy jackets as, the, <laughs> as the fog came over uh, in about the fourth inning of a night game. Um, I don't know. It's just it was it was a it was a great time in my life. Obviously, getting a chance to uh, not only get to the big leagues, but uh, Become a little bit of a of a of an accepted member of a team, and uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, to play for Dusty Baker, which I, I believe not only changed me as a player, but uh, he he helped mold me as a as a future coach, uh, using him as kind of my uh, I don't want to say mentor, but kind of my example, something I always kind of. Fell back on uh, kind of like dusty isms or, or how would dusty have handled this situation or, or how, how do I how should I deal with players uh, as I got myself into coaching and managing um, he definitely was kind of that uh, uh, you know that, that the, the guy I look towards and uh, it's not just giving a, give him a call and see what's going on or getting an answer from him or getting some advice but also just kind of remembering how he handled Guys like myself, and I think uh, that was that, all that stuff kind of came together in, in that in those years in san francisco and that, so looking back at those years, there's a lot of fond memories and a lot of things that kind of molded me as a as a player at the time and also as a
2: uh, as as a as coach and, and instructor that I am now. Well, I guess you can always uh, ask yourself, WWDD, what W W D D. What what would Dusty do? Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 like you mentioned, you know, being a, a utility infielder and being a guy that kind of had to, to to scrap and fight and kind of figure it out, you know, just to just to stay there. It's kind of kind of good preparation, I would assume, for for later working, you know, as a minor league manager and as a coach and and working with these guys, you know. I, I'm sure you can identify and understand some of the struggles that a lot of these young players have to go through.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Bill. And I, I think as I look back at uh, my development as a, as a as a coach, as an instructor, as a manager, um, I I always kind of had that uh, that frame of mind of of how do I make sure that all 25 guys on my roster are are understanding that they have an importance and that they have a uh, 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 a, a need for for my attention, for our, my coach's attention, um, letting them feel that they are a part of the team and that they are productive and necessary. And I think that was one of the things. That, uh, obviously, I'm going to draw back on Dusty. As uh, as a, a part-time player on his bench, uh, he he did little things that just make me feel as though I was uh, I was needed, and I was I was a big part of the big puzzle. And, uh, so I, I, I think you're right when I say when you said, and I've said in the past too, is that, uh, uh all that kind of helped develop and be into what I am, I guess, moving forward today.
2: Right. Right. No, I mean, it makes sense. Well, so how did you, when you finally retired, how did you end up getting into managing and how did you end up, uh, joining the, uh, the A's system?
0: Well, um, it's funny to use the word retired and, uh, it wasn't <laughs> so much that I retired, I just kind of, I guess. Got kicked out. I don't know. I just, um, <laughs> you know, I completed my last year of playing in '99. I was I was fortunate enough to, uh, after a couple of years in AAA, get back to the big leagues with with Kansas City and um, was with them uh, in '99. didn't get a lot of playing time. Had a young team. They were trying to develop some young players and get them as much time as possible. And and me and uh, Scott Layus, who you might remember from the Twins uh, World mm-hmm. Series years. Uh, We found ourselves doing a lot of watching and uh, the the following spring had some minor league interest, but no major league invite opportunities. And at that point, we uh, we were starting to get a little bit worried that this could be the end. And at the same time, uh, my agent was reaching out to clubs to see if there was opportunity. Um, The Phillies, who I like you mentioned, I had originally signed with and spent a lot of uh, most of my minor league time with uh they they reached out to us and said that they had an opportunity to uh for a for a hitting coach in double-a reading which i had played two years there i actually met my wife in reading when she was she was going to school there and so when this opportunity presented itself and they they reached out and asked me if i was interested we kind of my wife and i looked at each other and said well to continue playing where we're 34 going to be 35 years old and, uh, might be going back and playing triple A somewhere with no security and, and all that type of stuff. Or, you know, I, knowing that I was probably going to get into uh coaching at some point, it looked like a nice little setup to where we could spend time with, with her family, which is back there in the Pennsylvania area, the, the Philly area. Um, and I can try out this coaching with, with an organization that I've already had some, some background with. And a lot of the, the coaches in the system I had either played for or, or knew at some point or another. So um, we took that opportunity. We, we went and uh, coached with the, with the reading team. I was the hitting coach. Uh, Gary Barshow was my manager. Uh, from there, I got myself into a, the feeling that um, I really wanted to manage. I felt like if I was going to be a a value to a a potential major league staff at one point, I'd like to maximize my opportunity by having experience as a a manager, as a third base coach, um, and all the other things that could come up from that. So that's what uh, kind of pushed me towards managing. And I went over to – from there I went to the Diamondbacks. That's what pushed me over into the managing spot and kind of glad it all happened.
2: Well, I know uh, eventually you ended up uh, landing in the A's organization. I think you started managing the A's affiliate in the Midwest League uh, about 10 years ago, back in 2009, and uh, I think you spent about eight years managing pretty much every level in the A's system, from low A to high A to double A AA to triple A. So any, any, any highlights stand out for you over those uh, eight or so years of, uh, of uh, managing uh, A's minor league teams?
0: Yeah, you could you could grab a handful from each year. I think as you as you start to look back at uh, some of the players I got a chance to uh, work with and staff members and such. Um, so one thing that's really what I really enjoy about uh, being with the A's is the fact that we we've, we've got a little bit of a family type feel to us. There's just a lot of the same faces, uh, staff-wise, that that stick around for a while and. So you get a chance to really build some great relationships with your with your uh, coworkers, so to speak, and uh, so, to to be able, especially now that I'm I'm in a in a roving situation, I, I get to go and and basically as I travel around, I get to go hang out with my friends, uh, mm-hmm. the coaches and and managers at all the different levels. Um, so you know when you think about highlights, uh, you know just like as a player, I think if you go most players, you, know, you might have two or three like on the field things that really stand out, but I think probably uh, it's that, that camaraderie with your teammates or things that happen uh, out and around the game, but not necessarily in the game. Um, it would probably be more of a of a, the highlights that, that stand out in my head. Just the relationships that I've built over the time with with other guys working with the A's and the A's front office is always pretty straight up and 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 they're they're all we're all on the same page about trying to get players better. and it's just a, it's it's a nice setup and a nice uh, group of people that will uh, make this thing fun for us.
2: well, uh, like like you mentioned, after eight years of managing in the minor leagues, now you're in a, in sort of more of a roving situation where you're you're kind of going around to the different uh, minor league affiliates and working with the players there as as the minor league infield and, and base running instructor. So tell me a little bit about how you how you view your current role and how you are, how you approach that job.
0: Well, I, I emphasize uh, more of the base running because uh, we've got Juan Everready that's uh, been our infield and defensive coordinator uh, for many many years, going on 20 20 plus years, and so he he's well established and he does a great job, and and I assist him during the spring and. When I'm out and about, uh, I also work with the infielders and it's great to, uh, obviously that's, that's my passion. That's what I know. That's what I did. So I enjoy that. But, uh, just in the last couple of years since I became a rover, um, uh, prior to that, we really haven't had a full time, uh, base running coordinator. So, uh, when I, when I made the transition into from managing to roving, uh, Keith Lippman, our farm director, he kind of, we sat down and said, uh, how can we best uh, use me in, in this role? And um, he recommended that I uh, dive into the base running. It would be good to, to start to have a little bit of a uh, face in and in a, in a direction within our system for base running. So I, at this point, uh, kind of my second year doing this, uh, the first year I kind of got, you might remember, I got cut in half as I got a chance to go to Oakland to fill in for uh mark cod right he had his family stuff going on and so i got that kind of derailed what i was doing on the minor league side not that i was disappointed by any means i really loved that time that i was up there in Oakland, but uh trying to trying to kind of create a, a little bit of a of a base running organizational mindset and uh making sure that guys are staying on point with that that's kind of been a a fun little project for me in the sense that uh you know, I never, I didn't really consider myself as a, you know, a base stealer or I wouldn't list my base running as necessarily like the uh, top of my list of things <laughs> that I would bring to the table. But at the same time, I, I, I ran the bases hard as a player and I am as a smart base runner. And that's what I'm trying to get across to our, our players now. It's not about stealing bases, it's not even about how fast you are, but how, how, how smart you can be and how opportunistic we can be on the bases and, uh, um, you know, it's kind of been fun watching watching this uh, the the intent level and the the aggressiveness and the and the maturity level on the bases uh, starting to become a, a little bit of a, a talking point, and uh, that's kind of been my focus at, at this point.
2: Yeah, well, you don't have to be uh, Ricky Henderson to uh, learn how to take an extra base, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, uh, every, everyone can make the most of their time on the base paths, that's for sure. Uh, since you were a former infielder and uh, you're working with the A's infielders now, uh, let's talk a bit about maybe half a dozen uh, of the uh, A's minor league infielders who are who are kind of uh, on our radar anyway, and I think are on a lot of people who follow the A's systems radars. Let's start out with a guy who maybe technically isn't considered a prospect anymore because he's spent enough time in the major leagues, but he is is still uh, at AAA uh, this year, and that's Franklin Barreto obviously spent most of his time at shortstop. He's increasingly spent a little more time at that second base. Seems like he's been on the verge of breaking through with the A's for, for a number of years now, but uh, where do you, uh, where do you see Franklin Barato's out at, at this state of uh, of the game?
0: Oh, I think he's still got a, a lot of future ahead of him. And I think it's going to be with us. Um, he's, he's, he's an incredibly talented kid still. I mean, he's not, I don't know exact age, but he's, He's still he's still a young man and um, he's become so strong so fast uh, he, he's got a lot of great assets to bring to the table um, off to a little bit of a slow start this summer I imagine and I I, I would like to believe that that will uh, you know kind of he'll, he'll he'll ride himself very very soon and and uh, he'll start to, to hit uh, at the at the level that we've seen coming into this Unfortunately, his his major league experiences so far have not really shown what we've seen in the, on on the minor league side. I don't know if it's just he's still looking to try to get a little more comfortable. Uh, I know that this spring he he looked a lot more relaxed and and uh, like he fit uh, with the big uh, during big league camp and stuff like that. So um, I think the transition from short to second. Uh, he'll have no problem with that once it's uh, once it starts settling in a little bit. Um, but he's definitely in my mind one of our top prospects, and I think we're going to get a chance to see him at the major league level at a uh, at some point. If not with us, with somebody else, he might become an asset to help us boost up our pitching staff or whoever you know whatever uh, David and Billy need to do to to help that club. But. Uh, um, I, I like Franklin a lot, I think he's going to bring a lot to it.
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I, it seems like he's been around for a while, but he's still very young, so there, there's still plenty of time ahead of him. And uh, and uh, like you mentioned, maybe there'll be an opportunity with the A's, and if not, there's always plenty of wheeling and dealing going, <laughs> going on in the A's system, that's for sure. Another guy who's there at Vegas uh, working right alongside Barreto this year uh, is Jorge Mateo. Um, obviously very toolsy, very talented young infielder. He struggled quite a bit last year in his first time at AAA. He's back in AAA for a second year, and he's really gotten off to a hot start um, this season. Um, he's certainly been swinging the bat well. He's he's got a great arm, um, but you know sometimes he's a little inconsistent in the infield. But what are you seeing out of Jorge Barreto and his, I mean <laughs> Jorge Mateo in his <laughs> second year? <Ray> Mateo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in his second year at AAA.
0: Well, you know, I, I think I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing is is the maturity level that's starting to uh, to kind of take charge of him a little bit. Uh, I think last year he found himself uh, he, he had an easy way through A ball and Double A, and now he he found himself in Triple A last year, and then got a little bit uh, challenged and needed to figure out how to deal with that. So um, this year, going back and repeating the level, uh, I I just saw his 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 whole demeanor had changed. It, it went from uh, kind of a, a look in his face of what's going to happen next, you know, what, what, what negative thing might happen next, where now it's, it's almost like what, I'm going to make some positive things happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's sitting at, at 350-something. Uh, I think he's got a half a dozen doubles already. He's got a little bit more than Matt. Uh, half a dozen stealing, stolen bases. He's electric on the bases. His arm is pretty – I mean, I would say one of the top young shortstop arms that, you, that we got out here. So like you said, in the, in the kind of the, the intro of, of Jorge, he's very toolsy. He's got everything he needs. He just needs to put together that dex factor as we might call it. Uh, the thing that will separate him from uh, a minor leaguer to a major leaguer. Um, and I'm starting to see a little bit of that part of it right now. So We'll see how he can continue on as the as the season gets longer and as he can keep his strength going and his 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 focus but um based on the the, the way the season has started for him, he's going to uh definitely open up some eyes and, and keep us uh keep our interest
2: yeah well, he any means. he certainly uh he certainly started off the season on the right foot that's for sure uh the third guy I wanted to ask you about there at uh triple a vegas is uh, third baseman Sheldon Noisy. Uh, he's another one who uh, went to AAA last year, uh, You know, struggled a bit for much of the season, seems to be off to a much better start this year. As we know, if you're a third baseman in, in the A system, you might find yourself a little bit blocked at, at that position. So I I don't know if there are any other options for him in the field that you guys are looking at, but uh, what do you see out of Sheldon Noisy at this point?
0: Well, you know, Sheldon came over over to us on a trade. I think it was with uh, the Nationals, and uh, he he kind of shot through the A ball and, and and double A without much of a um, without much of a concern. Put up good numbers, uh, very similar to what we just talked about with Jorge Mateo. Mm-hmm. Got to the triple A level last year and uh, and kind of had the same kind of thing. Whereas it it's all of a sudden first time struggling as professional and. Sometimes that's, that's those things can uh, can be the best thing that happen for a young player is to hit that wall a little bit and figure out how to get yourself through and over to the other side. And uh, you know we're watching Mateo st- kind of making strides on the other side of that. And uh, and I think if you look at Noisy's uh, at bats and the way he plays the uh, plays the infield, he's a, he's a solid player across the board. A, you know he's he's hitting a little bit above 250, 260 right now, which um, probably will be kind of where he's at because he's he's, uh, he's got a nice powerful swing. He's more of a of a, uh, a guy that's looking to to drive the ball and not necessarily shooting the ball all over the place. He might not be a high average guy, but I think we'll start to see over time that he'll start putting the putting the ball in the gaps and and, and driving the ball a lot. Um, you know, just, uh, he's just he's he the the eye test. You know, he, he comes off. As, he doesn't look like he's as quick as you might think he is, but uh, he has a good first step. Plays a plays a very solid third base. Uh, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, um, playing Triple A behind a guy like Matt Chapman is uh, <laughs> pretty pretty much a. a a tough, tough road to go. I mean, you start starting to look up and say, "I'm going to take that guy's job." But, but you know what? That's what. Uh, that's what. There's a every every big league guy that's up there right now at some point or another was in AAA or in the minor leagues, looking up at a at an everyday player in front of him, saying, well, "How am I ever going to get there?" And yet, Matt Chapman found himself there after experimenting with so many other third baseman that uh, we brought in. And so, you know, opportunities present themselves when players put themselves in the right position. So um, I think Sheldon's going to be a guy that's just going to keep knocking on the door and uh, he's going to create some interest later on, in middle to the end of this, this season, uh, especially playing on that West coast, that Vegas, that ball carries. there nice. They, uh, a lot of their uh, road trips on that West side, they got some ballparks that, uh, uh, enable guys to put up some numbers so once he starts hitting that hit his stride i think you're going to see his numbers just uh, jump up and uh, he'll be on uh, back on the radar for uh,
2: well i know you're uh, you're out spending time with the double uh, a midland club right now and uh, there's a guy there i wanted to ask you about that's a shortstop kevin merrill uh he was the a's uh, second overall pick in the 2017 draft and, uh, you know, he's been playing shortstop. I know there's been some question, will he stick at shortstop? Could he maybe move to second or perhaps even, you know, have what it takes to be a center fielder? But he's playing shortstop at Midland right now, and I know you're down there uh, getting your eyes on him. So what are you seeing out of Kevin Merrill?
0: Well, Kevin, Kevin's an interesting guy. You know, he, he's um, again, he, he's probably his, his his best tool is his, his running speed. Um but, but you it, you kind of, when you start watching him, you kind of overlook the fact that he, he has a solid glove and an accurate arm and uh, has a has a pretty good sense of the game. He's learning a lot quickly. Um, you know, last year he was hindered by a couple different injuries, uh, spent some time in in, in Arizona doing some rehab, and he went to a couple, I don't know, half a dozen days in, in Vermont as he was kind of. Using that as kind of a Meyer League rehab type of a feel as before he went back and joined uh, Stockton at the end. So, you know, kind of a, a, a checkered year for him. Didn't really get a chance to get any kind of rhythm going in one place. Uh, that's kind of what we'd like to see this year for him is to uh, kind of put together a nice solid year here in Midland, uh, developing himself as, as obviously a, a defensive shortstop. If there's, if there's, uh, a potential down the road where he moves to the other side, uh, the second base, that could be something that's uh, could be brought you know, brought to everybody's uh, attention as as neat as, as you know as we need maybe some more options over there. Um, there's talk of outfield, like you just said, about center field, but uh, I think I think we, if we get him through this year and, uh, and get him a, a 500 plus at bats or 450, 500 at bats. And we start to see how many uh, how many bags he can steal and turn him into a prolific base stealer. You know, obviously you mentioned um, uh, Ricky Henderson. We'll, we'll never duplicate that. But mm-hmm. we do have the opportunity of having Ricky uh, with the organization. And he, he travels throughout the, the the clubs and spent some time. And I know that in the past, and, I, and I'm sure that in the future, he and uh, uh, Kevin will sit down and try to uh, – a little bit more of an aggressiveness to uh, Kevin on the bases. I think that's where he needs to really kind of step his game up and, uh, initially, because that's something he can control. But uh, you know, I think we, we we still we're still learning a lot about Kevin Merrill as an organization. We're we're still learning about him, um, and he's still he's still kind of learning about how he can become a a, a more more well-rounded player. So it's a very interesting. Guy, I mean, when we talked about like a guy like Mateo earlier, much more refined in the sense of what kind of player he is. It's just a matter of can he take that next step? And uh, I think Kevin Merrill is a guy that uh, we're not sure exactly what kind of player he's going to be. I don't know if he does, if he right. has that that grasp yet. I don't think we need to have that totally defined yet. Um, you know, and that's kind of what's, what's fun about it is it's, it's it's a very fluid type of situation with him. We don't know where he's going to end up, uh, position-wise, and uh, and how he's going to put together some of the tools that he's got. But uh, the efforts there and the desires there, and that's what's uh, kind of fun as a as a coach, is to have that like you know that that clay blob that you get to start chipping away at and trying to make something out of. So um, I'm, he's very interesting. I'm, I'm it's, I think I'm as curious as you. <laughs> when it comes to where, where where he goes and what he becomes, and kind of kind
2: of well, fun. Well, sometimes it does take a take a while to figure out exactly what type of player a guy is going to evolve into. All right, so uh, b before we go, I wanted to run down, if we can, quickly, just three more uh, minor league uh, infield prospects who were who were guys at the lower levels uh, down in A ball. And uh, I wanted to start with uh, Nick Allen, who was the A's third-round pick uh, in the 2017 draft. The A's took him out of high school, very young, uh, talented shortstop. Always known for his uh, his work in the field, very strong defensive player. Um, wasn't always known so well for his work with the bat, but he's gotten off to a really good good start here at Stockton this year. Seems to be hitting the ball with a with a lot more authority. So what do you what are you seeing out of Nick Allen?
0: Well, you hit it on the head when you talked about his defensive uh, abilities. He's he's probably one of the more energetic, uh, quick-footed uh, shortstops that we've had in our system uh, for for a while. I mean, he's just the energy level is beyond uh, most guys. I mean, he is in every pitch, every game. There's 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 never any kind of just kind of going after a ball or something like that. He is. Hundred percent locked in. He he has so much pride in his defense. Uh he works hard from from the from the moment he gets to the ballpark to uh, B P, any kind of early stuff. Uh he plays every pitch and it's just he, he's one of those guys you just can't help but pull for. You want you want you want this game to reward him because of every all the effort and all the, the passion that he puts into it. Um Breaking him down, uh, we we saw him show up this spring. Uh, he put on a couple pounds. He he worked really hard in the winter to create a little bit more of a a of a of a finish on his swing, a little bit more power to it. Um, you know, I, I think it's showing already. He's sitting in the in the two eighties, I think. Uh, I do know that he's got a couple home runs, which is which is uh, two more than he like. He went into this... right this season after two years with one home run, and he's already doubled his production over the last two years. So, um, you know, Stockton's a little bit of a, a you know, wind, and uh, that's, that right field rancheria short porch sometimes can be favorable to hitters, but uh, I'm telling you what, you, you still got to put the bat on the ball, and I think he's doing that very well. He is. He's actually playing some games at, at second base as well, which could help him in the sense of uh, giving us, a little bit more of a, of a flexible look towards him could help him in, a, in the long run and in, in making a move uh, up the system. But uh, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I cannot say enough about uh, how how, I'm, how impressed I am with, with the way this guy goes about playing the game. It's really fun to watch.
2: Well, and as you mentioned, a little, a little versatility never hurts, so if he can uh, get a, get a little time in at second, too, it only increases the potential opportunities going forward. All right, let's quickly touch on another guy there at Stockton playing alongside Nick Allen this year. That's Jeremy Ironman. Uh, he was uh, VA's second-round pick uh, just last year, and he's kind of been splitting time between short and second at Stockton uh, this year. I know in college he was viewed as a as a middle infield prospect who had who had some power and some speed, and I know when you can find a, a middle infield guy that's got both power and speed, that's always very enticing to people. <laughs> and so, what are your impressions of Jeremy Ironman uh, during his first uh, full season uh, with Stockton this year?
0: Well, you know, we just started talking about uh, uh, Nick Allen and, and how you know he's, he's like that, that David Eckstein type model of a shortstop and now uh, Jeremy Ironman, you know, he, he, might be more, uh, uh, might be a little bit of a, of a stretch, but you All kind right. of see where I'm headed. Someone sure. that's a little bit of a bigger body, a little, little, uh, maybe not as, not as quick footed, but still can, can, can create some range and, and cover, cover some ground. Uh, the arm is strong, accurate. Uh, there's a lot of good positive stuff coming from him. It's, it's, his, his tools are, are, are strong. Um, good, good, hard, hard-headed contact type of guy. In the sense that uh, he's 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 just, he's going to work hard. He's going to do the little things that he needs to do. Uh, he's going to he's going to get stronger too. So you're going to find him possibly as a guy that could uh, be a corner guy down the line um, mm-hmm. as he starts to develop a, his swing. And, and I think he can he can eventually become a guy that could uh, drive the ball to all fields and, and be uh, kind of a, a well-rounded player. Um, obviously, if you look at the numbers, not the best start this year. I haven't seen him personally this year, this year yet. Uh, obviously watch a little bit of video when I can and uh, read reports and all. I know he's struggling in the sense that uh, he feels like he should be doing better just because he's a, He's a proud player, just like Nick Allen. Um, you know, he, he made a jump from uh, short season Vermont last year, first time in, in pro ball and he makes a jump to high a, so we got to give him a little, a little bit of a learning curve, a little bit of a, of, of a, of a cushion there to kind of catch his breath and, and catch his stride. And hopefully that'll start happening. He's got a couple hits. Uh, I think he's, I was looking at it this morning. Uh, last two games, he's got uh, three hits, two doubles. That's an indicator that he's starting to put the bat on the ball and 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 get uh, a little bit more solid contact. And and it could be this could be the start of of a next uh, of a good couple weeks ahead of him and get his average up of over 200, which can happen very quickly with these limited at bats. And uh, all of a sudden, that'll take a little bit of that pressure off him. And uh, you'll we'll get the chance to see him kind of as as he really is, and not just not trying to pull himself out of the hole that he's he's kind of started himself in. So um, I'm really I'm really curious to see how he, you know, just just kind of seeing how he works his way through this. This could be a a big uh, uh, like we were talking about uh, with noisy and. And Mateo earlier about the you know, first time in Triple A, they struggled and they had to figure out how to battle through it. You know, sometimes that struggle happens earlier, like it might be happening for Jeremy right now, and it might be the best thing to happen to He he'll grow from it, and uh, he can he can work his way through future struggles with a lot less time uh, wasted. So,
2: right? Um, yeah, no, I'm I mean- curious
0: how this season will go for him
2: yeah i mean you know facing challenges is the the way you learn and 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 move forward onto new challenges. let me ask you about one final young infielder at beloit you've got down there uh, marcos brito he's uh you know just starting his first uh full season uh campaign here with beloit kind of an intriguing uh uh prospect Tell me a little bit about uh, about marcos brito
0: yeah i'm glad you asked about him he's um you know he's a product of our of our complex down in the Dominican Republic. We, we're making big strides down in, in our Dominican complex and our, our Latin American uh, signing and and building up a better uh, uh, program down there. We're trying to to get a little bit more production out of our, of our players coming to Arizona from there, coming to the States from there. Um, a lot of efforts being made by uh, Dan Feinstein in the front office, our, one of our assistant GMs. Um, to try to try to make that uh, that become something of a, uh, that we can draw from, and we're not just bringing guys over that spend a couple of years in Arizona and then kind of fade fade away. Um, you know, Brito's a guy that uh, spent a couple of years in in the Dominican. Now, last couple year and a half in uh, <laughs> excuse me in Arizona. He went to Vermont last year, and now he's getting his first taste of uh, of the Midwest. Of cold, probably the first time you've ever seen snow, uh, <laughs> and you know you can imagine as a as a young young player, young kid, uh, and being thrust into a whole different environment than than you're you've never even thought of before, you've seen before, and uh, you know it's 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 a cool kind of concept to to look at it that way, the the culture side of it, and see what these these kids are are dealing with, uh, you know. Uh, a language situation a whole other type of thing and then and, and brito he's a he's a kid that uh, has a lot of promise there's a, there's concern about his, his focus um you know one game's great next game he's he's kind of all over the place so we, we need to get him a little bit more consistent um, one of those things that we're we're trying to do with him is to uh, see if we can Make them move over across the, across the bag from second base to shortstop. He's an everyday shortstop in, uh, in, in Boy Forest now. And, you know, he's doing okay. I, I believe he 19, 20 games. Uh, he's five errors, uh, not, not, uh, not stellar, but not terrible at all. I mean, that's, uh, he's some tough, tough weather and tough fields that, uh, he's, he's dealing with this time of year up there. So um, we're giving him a lot of credit for for the work he's putting into it and, and the effort he's making and it's you know he's he's kind of one of those guys that uh, just like a bunch of other guys coming over from Dominican and other Latin countries that we hope turn into uh, solid players for us and start building our future from from those guys as well. So I'm glad you brought him up.
2: Yeah, well, we could definitely uh, definitely add him to the list of intriguing uh, infield prospects in the A's system that hopefully fans could look forward to to seeing and hearing a lot more from in the future. Uh, before I let you go, I did want to ask you about one final thing. I know uh, I know your daughter Leah has started a, a company called Forty Man Merch. Uh, I believe making and, and selling a um, baseball merchandise. So can you tell me a little bit about that before we go?
0: Yeah, thank you for. Uh we're talking about that uh, we talked earlier about uh, what she was doing so yes she, my daughter leah she started her own online t-shirt business it's a it's a baseball themed uh, t-shirt business it's, it's her own designs obviously we she does not have any merchandising or uh, uh, licensing with major league baseball or even the the players association so she's unable to use team logos and and player uh, personality stuff like that. So it's, it's more of a, uh, in line with like baseballism. I'm sure everybody's aware of baseballism and, and the, and the line that they've, they've started and they do some really great stuff. And, and then she's trying to kind of pattern off of that same kind of a feel of, of a, of a baseball fan, uh, gear. She just recently did a, a partnership t-shirt with, uh, Tim Dillard, a, Pitcher with the uh, with the Rangers that are that's in Nashville this year, through through my connections with with Nashville from the previous years that our AAA A team was there, we got the we got a chance to put uh, Leah and Tim together, and they did a uh, charity T-shirt with Tim's uh, likeness on it. Portions of the T-shirt uh, uh, went towards uh, Pitch for Kids, which is a, a foundation founded by Rod Beck's. Uh, wife, Stacey Beck, to help young kids deal with, uh, with addiction, or I'd say, I should say parents of addiction. And, uh, so she's doing, my daughter Leah's doing stuff that kind of rings true to her heart. She loves baseball. She loves the fact that she grew up in a baseball family and that I'm still involved with baseball. She loves that idea. I remember when, when I was managing and uh, in, in Kane County, my first year with with the A's, she was I think six or, or uh, probably a little bit older than that. She'll hit me now. She's probably about in her teens. But anyway, she was running the scoreboard there on occasion and having fun with that. And uh, so she's kind of grew up around the game. And you know, my son got a chance to go in the clubhouse and get to know all the players. And but she just had to kind of learn to be a baseball fan from a distance as opposed, you know, not being able to get in the clubhouse and stuff. So she's carried that into her business. Uh, again, the, 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 the company's name is 40 man merch. It's a playoff of the 40 man roster, obviously kind of a little bit of an insight of, of her knowledge of, of the game and the way the professional game works. And uh, you can, you can look at, uh, online at 40 um, man That's the number 40 dot com And I, and she's got a Twitter account too. It's at 40 man Appreciate anybody taking a, taking a peek at it. She's got a nice line of uh, baseball blooded. It's her catchphrase and she's done every uh, 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 the, the team colors of of all the major league teams. And uh, there's a nice green, gold, and white one that, that she put together for all of our all of our ace fans and uh we're we're excited about prospects there and uh we're very very proud of her
2: check it out uh, online 40 man merch check it out on twitter at 40 man merch there on twitter all right well thanks so much for taking the time out to talk to us steve always good to get your insights and uh, good to get updated on all those uh, exciting young infield prospects in the a system as well
0: Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to, to join you today and uh, look forward to maybe the next time we get a chance to talk.
2: Absolutely. All right. Stay tuned for more on the Ace Farm podcast coming right up. Webster Garrison previously served as Stockton skipper from 2011 to 2013. And now, after spending last season in Beloit, he's returned to manage the ports for the 2019 season. He's got a talented team of top prospects, including Austin Beck, Nick Allen, Jamison Hanna, and Lazaro Armentaris, and he recently took some time to talk with our Robert Bermudez at Banner Island Ballpark in Stockton.
1: Joining me now is the manager for the Stockton Ports, Webster Garrison. Thank you again so much for taking the time and, and talking
3: today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been an interesting
1: season. It seems a little streaky, you know some really good baseball and then some spells of not as good baseball. But with the young team, patience is the key, right?
3: Definitely. Patience is definitely the key. Like you said, streaky is definitely the word. You know, we didn't get off to a good start. And then we picked it up and played some outstanding baseball. And lately, you know, we kind of fell back into how we was playing earlier. It's not that the play is not good. We're playing overall. It's just that when we don't hit, you know, we don't score many runs. And then that's when everything shows up. So but playing baseball, these guys play well. Good defensive guys, base running, and, and everything. It's just when we don't score runs, that's how it turn out. It's
1: also, like we said, I believe the, the youngest team in the league. So what do you do when you know you have to be patient? How do you handle a younger team versus maybe a, an older, slightly more experienced team?
3: Well, like you said, you got to be patient. You don't want to be lashing out at them when they make mistakes. More of a teaching you know, more of a teaching thing when they come in and dugout or the next day when we have our team meeting. So it's not as, you know, getting after guys, top-stepping them in a the dugout because we know they're going to make some mistakes. A lot of these guys first year in the Cal League, and they're at a young age as well, like you said. So it's about learning, teaching, and just trying to get them together so we can play some good, solid baseball.
1: And it seems like there's quite a few players that made that jump straight from Vermont last year all the way to uh, to High A Stockton here. How do you think they've been handling that adjustment of skipping an entire level?
3: I think overall they've been pretty good. I mean, the numbers might not show that they're doing, like, a great outstanding job, but these guys are battling. I mean, a couple hits there the other way, and it could be a totally different number they're putting up. But overall, just preparing and playing hard and getting after it, I think they're doing a good job so far. Which pitcher on the
1: staff right now is currently opening your eyes or making you the most impressed?
3: Uh, right now, i say it have to be the, uh, the big right-hander, Brady Feigl, one of our starters. I mean, he's going out and give us the opportunity to win every time he goes out. Good stuff with some good velo, and uh, he's one of our top guys in the starting rotation. And uh, our reliever, reliever guys have been doing well also, guys like uh, Jesus Zambrano, the back-end guys, uh, Seth Martinez, Nick Heiberger. You know those guys are doing a good job in the back end of that bullpen when we do have a lead to uh, shut it down and hold them
1: and on the position player side is there anyone that you think is really kind of
3: step forward uh it's hard to say we got a lot of true young good athletes i mean all those guys are playing i mean from armateros to beck to nick allen ironman overall the numbers might not show but they're putting in good work and sometimes They don't get the result they're looking for, but it could be a good at-bat. They just don't turn out with the result. And they're they're all putting in good work. I mean, our first baseman, uh, Alfonso Rivas, he's having a good start to the season as well, right in the middle of that lineup. So these guys are battling and working hard and getting it going.
1: You mentioned specifically Austin Beck and and, uh, Lazarito. They seem to be striking out at a relatively high clip, but how much of that do you think is just being a 19-year-old, being so young and just adjusting to professional baseball?
3: I think it's a combination of both. Being young, adjusting to baseball, and, you know, the pitchers are doing some things to them that they have to adjust to, like you say. I mean, there are guys that swing the bat. They're not up there just trying to make contact, trying to feel for it, so they're going for it. So, you know, they're up there swinging the bat, and sometimes you miss, you know, and sometimes you make contact and, and hit some home runs like they have done already also.
1: Is there a player on the team right now that you think isn't really getting enough attention or you think is kind of under the radar and and really having a good season that people might not be talking about?
3: Uh, I say Nick Allen's having a real good season. I mean, offensively, he's having a good season. Defensively, he's the magic man. That's what I call him. He's a solid cat quick defensive uh, guy, that's going to be his, his thing all the way up to the major leagues. But he's uh, ha- definitely having a good offensive season, doing some things, leading the team and hitting right now. So he's definitely uh, a spotlight guy right now at this point in the season.
1: Edwin Jackson made a rehab start with you guys not too long ago, and just can you talk about the importance of a veteran guy like that coming and just kind of handing off some wisdom to these younger
3: guys? Yeah, and that was awesome to see, man. Edwin came and pitched a good game. But not only did he throw a good game, he was in that clubhouse talking with those guys. Pitchers watching everything he do. Even position players are watching him because he's a seasoned veteran in the major leagues. So he came in and gave us a spark. You know, that was the first win of a six-game winning streak. And so he came and gave us a spark. Guys had fun at the end of the day. They was in there, you know, having a good time. And Edwin came in and talked with the pitchers and was talking with the guys after his outing, five innings. He He was still in the dugout talking baseball. And that was, he was just to have a good guy in the clubhouse talking baseball and going out on the field and showing it.
1: And just real quick before we finish up, Dalton Jeffries got promoted to Midland. He made a few starts here, looked good. He's a guy that I think a lot of people expect big things from if he can stay healthy. When you were, when you were managing
3: him, what did you see from him? Uh, Dalton's, I uh, want to say, first of all, I don't know how I forgot him when you asked me about the pitchers uh, at the beginning because he went to Double A, but uh, he's a guy that's aggressive with stuff, and he's a strike door. I mean, Dalton is a good aggressive live arm pitcher who throws strikes with all of his pitches and he gets after it I, you know I wish he could have threw more innings while he was here but you know that's a uh, program they have formed so to make sure he stays healthy all year but uh, I don't know how I forgot about him he was a uh, you know the ace on that uh, starting uh, staff him and Big Figo so I forgot to mention his name but he's definitely uh, a guy to be looking for in the future. Like we said, you got a young team, but you got a really (laughs) exciting team. So best of luck moving forward. Thanks for having me, man. We definitely have an exciting team. A lot
2: of energy. Thanks a lot, Rob. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of the A's Farm Podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find daily updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.